I suck at jujitsu. How do I suck less? Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to the newest episode of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So today we're going to revisit a thought. Uh, This is not a repost. Uh, I've had episodes all, uh, I've had a lot of episodes about concepts versus uh, techniques. And I really think that for me, I have stronger opinions one way now than I ever have. Um, And so I think that kind of just explaining that journey, explaining why I have stronger opinions for technique or or for concept than I do for technique now. Um, Spoiler alert. And and just kind of telling you guys the story, the, the, the ride that I've been on the last couple of years as a coach trying to see my students get better as competitors and just as jujitsu practitioners in general, even if they aren't competitors and the things that have helped them and the things that have helped significant amounts and then the things that have helped slightly. And I'm just going to kind of talk to you guys about what jujitsu concept is. And so if you've never heard a concept episode, this is the perfect one to start with because the stuff that we talk about is going to be really simple and digestible, and uh, it's going to be easy to understand what a jujitsu concept is, why you do need them, in my opinion, and um, why most things that people call concepts actually aren't. And so uh, let's go ahead, and I won't ramble too much in this intro, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. So recently, the real reason, a specific reason that I wanted to do this episode is I was having a conversation with somebody that is uh, a now a big fan of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show, and they were asking my opinion on concept and technique. And what was funny is this person's a big fan, and I thought, don't you know what my opinion is on concept versus technique? But here's the thing. I haven't shared that opinion in a very long time, and I also haven't shared that opinion in a way that breaks down why I think the way that I think now. So about two years ago, three years ago on the podcast, and we recently reposted the episode, I interviewed somebody who considers themselves a truly conceptual teacher, and at the time considered themselves a truly conceptual teacher. For me at the time, I did not consider myself that. I considered myself somebody who acknowledged concept and recognized how useful concept was to my students. Uh, Just a step back, what is concept? Concept means the way, concept really is just a thought or an idea, okay? Uh, So a lot of times we can just explain concept as this is what high-level guys think when they do this move. High-level guys, or at least um, the best way to think for a high-level guy. Um, So, for instance, if you recognize, um, I'll give you something really, really technical first to start, but uh, explain the concept. So, in this episode uh, with Chris Paines, I just referenced it. Chris talks about this idea called joint lock theory. And what joint lock theory is, is if you were going to break somebody's elbow, if you were going to armbar somebody, which is what we're thinking about damaging when we armbar somebody, you would need to control two joints to break their elbow. And the two joints would be the joint above the elbow and the joint below the elbow. So the shoulder would be your major control This is how we all, if you think about pinching your knees together in an armbar, that is what you're doing is you are pinching the armpit and the top of the shoulder, and that is how you are securing the arm so then you can connect to the wrist and start to bend the arm where it shouldn't be, okay? Those are the two controls, and this idea is so simple. But nobody explains it to you. And then nobody also explains that this idea does not just apply to the armbar. It applies to a knee bar, right? 
Well, a knee bar is just kind of an arm bar of the legs, right? Does it apply to a heel hook? Yes, it does apply to a heel hook. You control somebody's knee. We always constantly talk about freeing the knee line. You are attacking the ankle slash knee in a heel hook. You control their toes, okay? So if you're attacking the heel, the ankle, you need to control the joints below and above. And you go, okay, well, sometimes I do a heel hook and I'm only controlling the hip. Are you? Are you though? Because most of the time when I see someone say that, they're like, oh yeah, it's hip control. Their hips go into behind the knee and they control the person's knee. Random little thought, but what a concept is, is how a person can look at a move and say, this is how a black belt would do it. There is this phenomenon in jujitsu where we will see black belts come in learn a move on their first time ever seeing this move, brand new move, and they can execute it on purple belts that day. We see black belts do this all the time. There are black belts. I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. There are black belts you can show a move, and they can do it on black belts that day. Okay? Why is that? Have they always been that way? Is that what made them a black belt? Maybe. But from what I've observed, it isn't that. From what I've observed, it is the context of all of jujitsu that they can take this new one move and say, okay, well, I don't know that move, but I understand the body position. I understand the distance. I understand the control. And so then I can just take all those ideas of how I truly understand jujitsu and apply them to this move and get the move to work effectively. Even if the person who showed me the move isn't a good teacher, I have so much context. I have so much concept because I've observed so much jujitsu for so long. And so for like for years, that was always the answer to get to that level is you just keep showing up. You just keep doing jujitsu. And yes, this is the answer. If you train for 15 years and you're really consistent and you are you know, inspired and you are uh, all those other things we talk about, you will come away with certain ways that you look at certain positions that make the position or the idea or the technique feel easier. That is a concept, right? It is how a high-level guy thinks. So seldom, though, in jujitsu is that taught. Most of the time, this is what we teach. You take a high-level guy and you watch him in a five-second clip, in a five-second little uh, sequence, and then we say, we're going to recreate that. That five-second situation, Gordon Ryan knee cuts this guy. I don't think Gordon Ryan knee cuts. I think I've seen him claim that knee cuts don't work in nogi. But just for the context, for the example, let's say somebody else that knee cuts. Lucas Laprie knee cuts somebody. And we watch it. And then we say, okay, he knee cut from De La Hivagard. So this is how you pass De La Hivagard. And then we, a lot of times that the training method is, then you drill without resistance and you get a bunch of reps trying to do what you feel like you saw Lucas Lepre do. Here is the problem with that. What if it was only, be, he only did it that way because of one really, really, really specific situation, one really specific grip that his opponent had, one specific frame that his opponent had. And for him, he felt his way through it. You have to understand when you were watching high-level jujitsu, the highest-level jujitsu, they are not thinking. And if they are, it is simple. The thinking that you expect it to be, and I know, I know this because as a purple belt, as a blue belt, as even as a brown belt, I expected it to be this way. I expected high-level jujitsu to be like me trying to outthink you. And so seldom is that what is happening unless I'm trying to outthink you thinking simply. So what I mean by that, you know, uh, and we'll get back to this, this, uh, 
the the original statement that I just made, the the callback to the the Chris Payne's interview. We'll get back to that in just a second. Um, but uh, kind of like when you look at, I recently did a match breakdown. Uh, if you guys didn't check that out, a lot of people really enjoyed the match breakdown, and they the the overarching response that I got was, I loved that you explained big ideas. So all I was explaining, you know, whether you call it strategy, whether you, whatever you call it, all I was explaining was the thoughts that are sliding through my head when I am competing. And so seldom it is not this guy is trying to single leg me. Um, for instance, this, this match breakdown I did with AJ, he's trying to single leg me. And I explained that all I was thinking about was staying on top. That was all the thought process that I had. Just stay on top, Josh. Because if I can just stay on top in this situation, he cannot sweep me, right? Uh, For instance, he's coming up on a single leg, and so I use my head, my chin, to cover behind his head. And the theory is I will never get single-legged because as long as my head is over his head, he is on bottom, and I am on top. The point of the single leg is to get on top. How stupid of a thought is that? His goal is to get on top. Just stay on top. But how I think of staying on top is different than a coach just yelling to you, just stay on top of this guy. It's it's defined very simply. Well, as long as I can keep my head covering the top of his head, he will never get on top of me. Him being four foot tall, that made it easier, right? And so when I am thinking about, when I'm thinking about keeping top in a single leg when i'm thinking about the pinch this other concept that i i reference on that uh, uh in that match breakdown i am just going okay i'm getting single leg what simple thoughts what simple ideas do i have stay over top of them stay over top of them oh i'm starting to lose that get a pinch what's the pinch it's when i take your trap in your armpit and I try to pinch those two things together and it is the ultimate upper body control I have a YouTube video that explains why it's the ultimate upper body control if you guys are not following me on YouTube yet I think you should be um Josh McKinney BJJ been putting out a lot of content over the last two months on the YouTube channel getting a lot of good feedback from it but what you'll find is the content is pretty much all conceptual I'm not giving you really specific do this do that I just don't think that that is the way for people to really get better in big increments, okay? Um, So, you know, like we kind of, you know, talked about a lot of random things. Let's take a step back. So back to this interview that I did with Chris Paynes. I'm at this time where I am still, I'm starting to understand concept. I'm starting to find concepts that I think are very, very valuable, And the first one I ever had, I taught it in my knee cut instructional that I recorded in 2019, might've been 2020. Um, If it was, it was very early in the year, but I taught it in this, uh, um, in this instructional, we call it the open and far concept. And what it was, was when you are passing somebody's guard in order to, um, to finish your guard pass, you need to open the near space, the near elbow knee space, and then you need to pin the far shoulder onto the mat. And it was this really simple way of thinking about playing top. And what was cool is when I come up with this idea, you know, and I'm sure other people have other ideas on how to explain this. But when I came up with this idea and I started sharing with people, people would say, wow, that helped me with my Toriando pass. And what was interesting is I was like, oh, I never thought about how it applied to the Toriando pass. I was always just thinking about it for the knee cut. And then someone else would say, well, you know, this actually applies to the leg drag for me too. It's like, huh, it's kind of an overarching theme. That's, that seems relevant, right? Because if every time I teach a guard pass, I can explain this simple idea, it kind of puts me and all my students on the same page, right? So as I started to get that, have that revelation of like, I really am liking teaching some in concept. And I would generally, uh, my formula for a class was I teach three techniques and they all have to follow the same concept. And 
up until I did my first interview with Chris Paines. That was what concept was to me. And that was why I would explain that you need both technique and concept. And I still believe that. And I'll explain that at the end of this. But I got to be around somebody who was sold out for just teaching and concept. You know, and Chris will always do this, make this statement where he says, I don't teach moves, right? I only teach ideas. I'm like, yeah, that that can't work. That can't work. That can't work. And then he came to my school. He taught at my gym. And he taught, maybe it was running, man. Maybe it was submission defense. Maybe it was all kinds of different things. He basically spent an hour and a half, two hours maybe, explaining his thinking of jujitsu. And not every single second of every single statement was groundbreaking or mind-blowing or anything like that. But in those two hours, I actually recognized that I understood jujitsu deeper. I understood what was happening deeper than I ever had before. And then when we got away from him, like when he, you know, went back to England and I start trying to trying to train some of these ideas that he was sharing. Every time it would fail, I would have really, really simple ways to go, why did this fail? Well, here was what he said. Am I actually doing what he said? And it was this simple way to go back to the drawing board and get an answer almost every time. And then I started to pay attention. Do I do this already? Because what was interesting is I get, I do a lot of question and answer. Um, I think that question and answer when it comes to understanding is one of the best things you could be doing. When I'm doing this question and answer with my students, with other students or, or whatever, I seldom have to even think very deeply about the question. Usually they say, oh, well, you know, I'm having trouble knee cutting. This is what's happening. Oh, your distance is wrong. We can fix this distance like this. Think of it this way. And then immediately it's this big fix. And it, it can be immediately helpful for people. But when I started to recognize that this is what I've been doing as a, as a coach, so often I would just look at the position and I could see that the distance was off. And I would say, just scoot up like three inches. But I had never really defined it. I could just kind of see it. And if that didn't work, if you showed me your move and I, and I couldn't just look at what was happening and go, oh, this is what's wrong, then I would put myself in the situation. And I would go, oh, this is what you do. I would say, uh, put me there. Huh. Oh, this is what you do from here, right? And so why is that? It's because there was this level of intuitive jujitsu and this level of feel that I had built into my body. And really then you can say, you can make that argument of like back to technique and back to specific situations and technique. You look at that and you go, okay, well, is technique, is it, is it going to happen again, right? If Josh knee cuts this way, can Josh knee cut that way a second time? If Josh knee cuts that way, is this how I can knee cut? Maybe, maybe not. I think that the biggest reason though to understand like, oh, this is why this works, this is why this doesn't work is going to be an overarching idea, okay? It's going to be a, a generalization. I've been pushing distance to you guys and understanding what distance you were at um, as like uh, it, it, for, with this new seminar that we've been selling, right? Here's the problem with the chest over chest seminar. Most people have never learned in concept and so they cannot actually comprehend that there are, you know, if we boil it down, maybe it's 10 paragraphs total that I have to say and then give you some examples of in your guard passing without doing a single rep will be better. People can't comprehend that. Because they've never learned in true concept, right? So now let's talk about the problems with concept currently. 
The biggest problem is that people don't know what it is. People will say, yeah, this is this concept that I use. I like to, um, you know, I like to knee cut this way. It's like, that's not a concept. That's just how you like to do a technique, right? That's just, that is just, now, if you said, every time I'm in a knee cut, this is what I'm thinking about. This is the space that I'm protecting. You know, for me, when I'm teaching chest over chest, I explain it as the two distances to never get swept or submitted again. And I explain excessive distance and I explain chest over chest distance, right? Not chest to chest. We can actually do this distance with space. And then I give a rule of don't let them touch your hips and your shoulders. And this will work unbelievably well. And then you let everybody go experience it. You let everybody go mess with it. And it works. And then eventually, as we dig deeper, we explain why you can't let your shoulders and hips get touched and how to beat people when they do touch your shoulders and hips. And then what you start to notice is like, oh, this looks like all the other jujitsu that I ever see. But nobody's ever explained it as these four or five things happening over and over and over again. And if you just understood guard passing that way, Anytime you go to learn a new guard pass, you would say, okay, well, this is how I correct my distance in this guard pass. Why isn't this guard passing works? Well, he's beating me on control. What are the spaces that he's trying to control? Luckily, Josh told me that. And so I can free those spaces. When you do that, though, all you're doing is like, this is for me, this is how I, as a black belt, who's been training for 15 years, who's been competing so much, who's been learning from so many high-level coaches, these are the four or five things that I have observed over and over and over and over again. And the questions that I've answered, I have answered these questions over and over again. And they fall under really, usually they fall under one thing to understand. Oh, your distance is messed up. Like so often a guy will say, I'm having a problem with keeping the back and I'll go get the back real quick. And as soon as they go there, I go, okay, your problem's right there. You're three inches off distance, scoot up three inches. I explain why it matters, what the person would be doing to escape. And then they go, oh, thanks. That's all I needed, right? They don't need a technique. They don't need me to go, yeah, this is how I like to straight jacket. This is how I like to trap the arm. They need to understand that trapping the arm, no matter how you do it, is important. It makes it easier to win that fight. They need to understand how to keep the distance that they should be at. They need to understand what distance they should be at. But no coaches are really explaining jujitsu in this way. And to me, the reason is because most coaches learn jujitsu by the same way we've all learned jujitsu. Random moves for years and years and years and years and years, and then hopefully you'll be good. But here's the problem is like you're going to really take 15 years of experience from me and try to boil it down into one technique. It's like, man, I don't know if I ever actually do this technique a lot. And the cool thing about when you start to get better is a technique will just fall off of your radar. You will just not do it anymore. And you'll be like, whoa, that used to be a huge part of my game. And I still get into positions similar, but I just don't use that technique anymore. I like to use this. And usually it is because of a simple idea. Usually it's because of a strategy. You go, yeah, I stopped doing that because it was a lot of energy. And now I do this and it's a little easier, right? That is, that's how black belts think. And if you can just get the right sentence from a high level guy, it can allow you to look at new jujitsu, at new techniques, and at the stuff you already do, how a black belt looks at it. And that does not mean that you're a black belt. You still are missing the skill, right? You still have to develop that skill, but so few people even know what skills to develop. Like, for instance, guard retention. Guard retention is something that I feel like I can explain in two or three very important, very simple, overarching concepts. And I've always tried to teach it that way, and it, it was never very helpful. It was like, okay, 10% of the guys maybe are starting to understand it, right? And it happens to be all the flexible guys. Now when I teach guard retention, I feel like 
Everybody gets it. Everybody is able to immediately start practicing it. And then we create some games to make some designated winter drills, whatever you want to call them, to make you be able to develop the skill, right? So let's actually go into a commercial break. I've been very rambly in the first half of this episode. Um, But then we will kind of come back to just understanding better concepts and um, where I think you should be finding concepts. Speaking of, that's what we're going to talk about in the commercial break. Uh, So let's take it over to Josh for the commercial. What's up, guys? Josh McKinney here. Just wanted to reiterate how great the idea of chest over chest is. I know I already talked about it in this episode, so I won't boggle you down with all the details, but just know if this idea I was talking about, about understanding the two distances to stay at as the top player, to never get swept, to never get submitted again, um, plus the rules on how to get to those distances, how to keep at those distances, and uh, just how to be so absolutely obnoxiously annoying while on top. Uh, then you need to check out my newest seminar. It's available at simplifyingjujitsu.com. It's called Chest Over Chest. This is a seminar I taught at Watson Martial Arts, and then it's combined with some question and answer from that seminar plus a few other ones that I've done. And it has some rolling footage. It has some, um, some just different thoughts on accomplishing goals and getting really good on top simply by understanding what you should be doing where you should be at distance-wise, what you should be doing in your hand fights, what you should be doing with your legs. And we break down all these things to make the top game seem so much easier in jiu-jitsu. And I think that we do a good job accomplishing that. So far, all the response that I've got has been just overwhelmingly positive about this new this new course. And so if you guys want to take part in that, if you want to get better on top, never get swept, never get submitted again, or at least know how to never get swept or never submitted again, to be able to look back and say, this is why my guard pass isn't working. Because you know, you now understand what makes a guard pass work. If that interests you, be sure to go to simplifyingjujitsu.com slash WMACOC, and you will be able to get the newest instructional, the newest seminar from your friend, Josh McKinney. And of course, that link is in the description also. But that is all I have for you. Let's go ahead and get back into this episode on jujitsu concept. All right, and we're back. So now I just wanted to kind of talk about, I told you guys um, that I would explain where I'm at truly with this idea of concept versus technique. Uh, and we'll wait, save that to the very, very end. Uh, because like I said, I do think you need technique still. I know I've been just so pro-concept, so pro-concept. Um, but if you look at the direction that jiu-jitsu is going, that's the direction that it's going, is simple things to make jiu-jitsu easier. When we're looking at a technique, that's what you're doing. If I just sent every all my students out to just grapple live every single night, they would get better. They definitely would get better at jujitsu. They would become better grapplers without any teaching, without any instruction, just simply getting reps of fighting to the death. But it is not the most efficient model, right? They do get better, but it doesn't mean that it is the best way to do it. That's what the model used to be because nobody knew anything. And then people started to get good. And then those people would then say, hey, this move works. Do this move a bunch of times. This is how you pass the guard, right? And they would give you an idea on how to pass the guard. This is how you keep mount. And they would give you this idea, this is what I do to keep mount. But then somewhere along the line, it became a list of moves on the wall. And so then it became this thing of, well, you can't be a blue belt until you know arm bar from mount and arm bar from close guard and this move and that move and that move. And then we all started to try to just emulate very, very small pieces of an actual round of grappling, very, very little minute details. And this is 
how most things are taught. It is very, very simple to learn in these terms. And it's not wrong to learn in these terms either because this is how jujitsu is still taught to this day. These are very specific things that I like to do. Do them. Here's the problem. It doesn't always translate. What if the technique that I'm doing has something to do with my size, has something to do with my build in general, has something to do with my flexibility? Well, it's not going to work for everybody. And so why do I teach it, especially as it is this essential fundamental of jiu-jitsu? Because in my opinion, no technique is a fundamental of jiu-jitsu. No single move can you list and say, this, this technique, this pass, this sweep, this submission is a fundamental of jiu-jitsu. And the reason I say that is because if you name anything, I guarantee you I can find you a high-level black belt that doesn't do that at all. Therefore, it is not foundational, meaning you have to do it in order to get good. And so then on the other side is you have technical innovators in jiu-jitsu. And that is all that people want to do. It's like, yeah, I invented this new guard. I invented this new submission. This is a new way to attack this leg lock, a new way to do everything. And I don't know if it's just an American thing. I don't know if like that is, if innovation is just this like thing that we as Americans try to take pride in and we just want to innovate on everything. But to a point, I think, I think technical innovation f- that most people are trying is useless and a waste of their time. Most high-level guys. I, I don't see many guys that have won world titles that have won world titles because of their innovation on technique. Very, very few people. And then, I mean, you could say like maybe Mikey Musumishi, but maybe his eight hours a day of training is uh, is a big reason, right? Yes, he's innovating on technique during those eight hours, um, but maybe those eight hours of training are, have something to do with that, right? Um, and maybe it's less about the innovation, but you see so many other high-level guys that they create new guards, they create new things, and then they don't work. Now let me finish my story that I started with. Started telling you about um, about, uh, my friend Chris and starting to learn in concept. The last technical thing, the last time I tried to build a system in jujitsu, I was doing cross sleeve. It's this position we, uh, I have an instructional, I was called the duck guard and it is still something I use to this day. I don't want you to think that I don't think that that was not super relevant, but I tried to innovate and I spent, I'm not exaggerating, a year of my life playing one position and playing one grip, playing one playing guard and playing cross sleeve guard, literally an entire year of my life. I could play it on both sides. I had all kinds of, uh, of he does this, I do this. He does this, I do this. He does this, I do this. And it was so systemized and it was so good. And I went and competed one year at Worlds and I fought a guy that I really thought I could beat and I really probably should have beaten. And he stopped my cross sleeve guard and it was with a response I had never seen. And it was stupid simple. It was so simple of a response. And then I started playing spider eventually three or four minutes left in the match um, and I had to switch. I just couldn't play what I wanted to play. Maybe even maybe even less, less uh or even more left in the match, where there's just this point where I recognize that it wasn't going to happen. I was not going to be able to play cross sleeve. And then I go into start to play like double sleeve spider or something like that. I don't even remember. Um, but when that happened, uh, I hadn't even drilled. I hadn't even trained the guard I was trying to play at this point because I was so obsessed with innovating on this cross sleeve guard. And so I came to this crossroads. After that, you know, I lose that match. Uh, you know, like I said, I hadn't been playing spider. And even though it used to be one of my best positions, I'm now playing spider against a guy at Black Belt Worlds and I don't even play this anymore. 
I only play this one guard that I can't get to. So that is a really long way of explaining. We go to um, the Henry Aikens interview. He talked about how offense is always longer than defense. Offense, you know, maybe my offense, my cross sleeve position, um, it took one, two, three. It took three steps to get into, okay, Um, to get into like the duck guard position. Very, very quick to get into a guard. Most guards don't take, most guards maybe even take more than that. But for me, it took three steps. Um, unless the guy made a mistake, then less. But if that guy, which he did, interrupt any one of those three steps, my card doesn't work. In those years and years of innovation, they don't matter. Because he interrupted one thing. He made one little grip adjustment and it just shattered my entire game. I had spent a year building this. And so now my crossroads is, do I look, do I, do I go back to the lab like I have been and create a response for how this guy responded to me? I mean, I could, but does that translate into winning that match? I mean, who knows? Who knows if somebody gives me a different response that I had never seen to that guard? And that is when I started to commit to thinking in concept because conceptually speaking, that guy removed something and it, it interrupted all of my stuff because I was so focused on one very specific situation, on one group of techniques. And I know all kinds of other techniques that I could have attempted, that I could have pulled out, but I didn't even, you know, I haven't been training these. I've only been training this. Now, you fast forward to now, and this is the difference in how I think as a competitor, is you don't, you stop my cross sleeve. Really, all you're doing is, you know, whether it's it's cross sleeve to create my angle, no matter what the grip is, my grip from guard is really just to keep you from backing out because that's the easiest way to beat any position at, on top. It's just to create excessive distance. And so whether I have a cross sleeve or a cross collar, or a same side collar, or the other sleeve, the same side sleeve. None of those things really make that much of a difference for me. It accomplishes one very specific task. And so now it looks like I play 10 different guards. When you watch me playing open guard, I'm sure that people are like, wow, Josh plays like 12 seconds of of collar sleeve and then you know, pure spider and then single leg X and then X and then K and then all these different things. But really all I'm doing is I'm looking for some very specific ideas. And it may look like my grips are switching. Oh, wow, he's doing all this crazy stuff. But the ideas are simple. And so I'm able to switch grips a bunch. I'm able to switch guards a bunch. And it's way harder to deal with as the top player because you are not just playing a guy who plays spider. You're playing a guy who just plays jujitsu. And that is why I think in concept now is as a competitor, you can beat technique with one simple response. But somebody who just understands jujitsu generally more than you do, even if you beat one thing, well, they understand more. They're going to respond. They're going to know if, whether or not that matters, what you just tried to win. When we start to look at jujitsu in this way, start to get really good really fast. When you start to understand that the way you think about the situation is just as important, if not more, than the technique you know. The way you think about accomplishing a specific task. So what I mean by that, like you look at guard passing, you talk about chest over chest. What does chest over chest do? What It's really simple. It flattens your opponent as long as they're not touching your hips and shoulders, hips or shoulders. And when you flatten somebody, they become weak. Their ability to do jujitsu off their back when they're actually on their back, shoulders and both butt cheeks on the floor, both shoulders, both butt cheeks, their ability to do jujitsu is is ruined and so why do we teach a million guard passes before teaching somebody that you can create a distance while staying in someone's guard 
that makes them weak? Well, it's because most people just want to innovate on technique. Most people just, they, they want to show this five-second clip of jujitsu. But what if the overarching idea from the 10-minute round is so much more important than the five-second clip that looks really visually uh, appealing? But what if that five-second clip, that five-second guard pass, it only came from this person understanding distance and understanding how to play in the guard for a long period of time? And so now... We'll get to a little bit of, like I said, we'll finish this episode talking about technique. Does that mean you shouldn't teach technique? No, that is not what that means. Because, for instance, if I explain to you that this applies to all guard passing, but you're on day one, you're like, does it? I mean, I don't even know what that, what is guard passing? doesn't really help you that much. That's those sentences, those ideas of, of helping you think like a black belt. And so maybe for you, you just need some context first. And so like, that's what I notice about my best concepts is they work for black belts better than they work for anybody. Because a lot of times a black belt goes, oh, I kind of already think of it this way. And then it just tweaks their thinking by a couple percent and a couple percent when you are a black belt and you have doubled in your progression so many times and so many times and so many times, uh, 2% as a black belt is so much progression. And so this is why I like to teach in concept. But for our beginners, technique is still, is still king. And the reason it is is because how do you know how do you know that the concept is overarching until you've seen the positions enough times? And so I don't think that jujitsu should only be learned in technique or only in concept. I just don't think, and I know that some people disagree with me, but I think that jujitsu should be learned in concept even from a beginner level, but that concept should be expressed through specific techniques. And specific techniques can be for the individual. I don't, again, I don't think that there are foundational techniques that you have to have, but there are foundational things you have to be able to do. For instance, on top, you have to be able to flatten. This is a skill, it's, but it's, it matters from side control. It matters from mount. It matters when you're on somebody's back. It matters when you are passing the guard, being able to flatten your opponent. And if you did everything else but didn't understand that, you would not complete guard passes. You would have a huge hole in your jiu-jitsu understanding. You have a huge hole in your jiu-jitsu. And it's not a technical thing. It is conceptual. It is a simple task. Because I can tell you, if you didn't recognize it, but you've been doing jujitsu for a long time, hey, you're not finishing any of these guys. You're not finishing your guard passes because you are not flattening. I may just be able to make that statement to a purple belt, and they will go, oh. And then they will be able to pass the guard. They will know, oh, Flatten. I don't even a lot of times have to explain how to do it, but so few people just understand this simple fight. If I'm on bottom, what am I going to do when you're passing? I'm going to get on my side. Again, it's the simple fight. I'm going to protect my elbow knee space. How we learn to think of it though, that really is how quickly we can as black belts teach our white belts to get to where we are. That's really all I have control of in my in my gym, um, your, or in my teaching, is I can only hope to get you to where I am and just hope to do it faster than it took me. I don't know if I can make somebody better than I am because, I mean, I've only been able to get myself to this point, right? But as you look and you go, okay, well, so Josh thinks you should only learn in concept. No, I don't think so. I think that that can also be detrimental to somebody too. You know, it's like, yeah, we don't teach the knee cut. We just teach chest over chest, and then people learn a knee cut. I think that's really cool. I think that's a really interesting thing, and I do believe that that can happen. I think you can teach that way. But then why not just let the guy skip the first 1,000 reps of not knee cutting by saying, hey, this is a knee cut that fits into the concept, that fits into the understanding. And that's where I'm at with concept versus technique. 
that is why I have been teaching in concept for uh, the last few years, and I don't see myself stopping. Um, you know, I just I see how much it helps people when I teach. I see how much it helps my own students, but then just when I do a seminar and then I get contacted after the seminar, so many people go, oh yeah, that really, you know, everybody has gotten good at passing now. Everyone's gotten good at staying on top now. And when I see that, like, okay, well this, this is super valuable then. And so check out my chest over, that's a long, this is all just one huge commercial for checking out my chest over chest instructional at, uh, at simplifyingjujitsu.com, this whole episode. And so be sure to check that out. But without further ado, let's take it over to Josh one more time to finish us out on this episode. And that is the episode. I just want to thank you guys for checking this one out. Uh, this was a really fun one for me to film just because the the that debate of, you know, conceptual teacher or, you know, like teach like everybody else is still raging, even though I act like it isn't, um, even though I act like it's solved and like, yeah, we all are on the same page, right? You know, we all should, we should all teach that way. Um, but a little note, something that I didn't talk about that I thought would be helpful for people is like, people like to go, okay, yeah, that, that works great if you're freaking Josh McKinney. What if I don't know concept, you know, and I'm a teacher, how, how do I get better at teaching that way you find coaches that are really good at it find coaches that make jujitsu simpler and make jujitsu simpler with a couple sentences those sentences are your concept and it's okay to only understand the concept five percent and then start trying to share it right um I just, I noticed that when I learn something new in jujitsu, even if it's something that I don't understand yet, I'm going to start teaching it to my guys so I can try to understand it more because they're going to ask questions and I'm going to go, huh, well, I don't know yet. We better figure that out, right? That is how you expose these holes in your understanding and your understanding is all you're sharing when you are explaining a concept. Every time I teach a chest over chest seminar, it is different. I have three main ideas that I follow, but if you say, what are those three ideas? I would go, oh, well, I've got to explain them. I've got to explain these three ideas, and each time I explain it slightly different. Why? Because I understand it slightly better. I understand it slightly differently. And so as a coach, if that's what you're looking at, you know, and I'll give you another even simpler way to do it, but what you're looking for is coaches that make jujitsu seem simpler. Other, it may not even be coaches. It might just be random people that you can conversate with about jujitsu. And in those conversations, you find yourself like, I seem to understand more. That's a real thing. Just nobody talks about it. Nobody tells you that it's a real thing. And, you know, you you get around somebody who really understands jujitsu and they just ha let them start showing you stuff. Ask questions anytime you don't understand. And then eventually you'll get to this point where your brain is melted and you won't be able to understand anymore, spend months on it. Spend months on those ideas. You'll understand them deeper. That is how you start to get good. Then, just an even simpler thing. I know a lot of people listen to watch instructionals. Maybe you watch like a Dan or her instructional on those first seven hours of it when he's explaining um, concepts and he's just kind of giving you the language that he uses and how he helps his guys understand the moves better. And you see that and you go, oh, okay, well, I better say what he says. It's like, maybe, but most likely, it's only like a sentence or two that you really found helpful. To me, those are the sentences that you're missing. They fill in gaps in your understanding. And so that is the concept. You know, hey, he talks about um, having your back concaved instead of convex. And you go, okay, this is really simple. I should do that more. That is a super simple concept. You can apply it to so many different things. Then eventually you start to go, well, why does this concept work? What well, keeps me from getting flattened? And Josh on the I Suck Jiu-Jitsu show talks about how getting flattened is a death sentence. And so that is why this works. 
You just increased your understanding more. You understand jujitsu. You understand grappling more. And so that's what I'll leave you guys with. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Uh, hopefully you will be back. We're going to get into some imagery training. We do have a repost coming out next Tuesday. I think you guys are really going to like. Hopefully this freaking baby is going to come out of my wife soon. So then I can release the jujitsu is, uh, uh, what is that like series that I've been doing? So I have a series. It is so nerdy. It is the nerdiest Oh, it's it's nerdy. You guys, I'm going to lose a lot of people who thought I was cool, who mistakenly thought I was cool. Like, oh, yeah, Josh, he's a really cool guy. He's got a podcast. He's got a jiu-jitsu school. He's a competitor. Just wait till the jiu-jitsu is series. Episode one is jiu-jitsu is dot, 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 Dragon Ball Z. And I go through the journey of Goku and teach you guys uh what we could be learning from this fictional character and um we talk about ultra instinct we talk about it all but i can't start sharing those the whole reason i did those episodes was so i could have like a is it a paternity leave when you're when you're the guy so i could have a paternity leave and uh once this baby gets going i can start releasing these episodes you guys are gonna like them they're fun um they're definitely different and uh um, yeah, they're definitely nerdy. And so maybe some people skip those episodes. If that's the case, we have a ton of good stuff for you to scroll through and find some Ice Like a Jiu-Jitsu show episodes. Without further ado, that's all I have for you guys. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hope you check out the new instructional. And most of all, I hope today's episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at Jiu-Jitsu. Have a great day, guys. <laughs>